Welcome once again, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast. This is the Big 69, and this is Altai, joined by... Omer. Gumble. Matt. And here we are. Shu is still missing in action, dealing with some family stuff. Hopefully, she will be back next week. And this is, as Altai said, the Big 69. So our weekly raid, of course, has to do with lollies. And I'll throw it to Gumby. Uh, I guess it does inadvertently, kind of. It has to really. do with lollies. Our example does kind of have to do with lollies. Basically, this week, <laughs> the question is a little blunt. It's uh, Altai-inspired. Should old games die to make way for the new? Uh, basically, we have a ton of old games that are still popular, uh, including Shia, which is published by Area Games, unless I'm mistaken, along with games like Ragnarok Online 2, even Echo of Soul, Eden Eternal, Aura Kingdom, and these old games, all they're all under one banner, all under Area Games, right? And uh, they all have little fragmented player bases. But Area, if you don't know, just published another, another new game called Twin Saga. So we got onto a, a small discussion as to whether or not it would be wise for Area to shut down these older games and try and force their population onto one new title. Because the logic goes, if you have your entire player base on one title instead of spread across all these different games, it's going to make the game feel more alive. It's going to thrive. It's going to last longer. You're going to have a, pop, a, a stronger, more robust population. On the other hand, maybe the people that play Shia, that still play Shia, they play Shia because that's the only game they want to play. So it comes down to, uh, you know, do we want a larger population? If you shut down a whole bunch of games, would people actually migrate to one singular title? <laughs> if there's only one MMORPG on the market, just one, no matter what it was, would everyone that plays an MMORPG today play on the one game? Right. Or would they just give up and move on to something else? Right, here's my thought on that. Like, uh, a popular refrain as well, people are playing this game, they're having fun, why do you want to force them off? Am I... Theory goes, even if half the players right, are lost in the process, moving that other half from all these hundred like mini games that are currently out there, if we force those people onto like some of the bigger name MRPGs, newer MRPGs, they'd be more alive. Uh, and again, this doesn't mean shutting down a big old game like RuneScape, right? RuneScape is still popular, still updated, but a lot of these small games have like between zero and like let's say five hundred players. Yes. And there's at least a hundred games like this. So yeah. that's one hundred times. 500, you know, that's 500,000, and let's say half of them are lost in the transition. That's 250,000 people that could be playing newer MMORPGs, whether it's free-to-play, buy-to-play, uh, or whatever. Okay, well, go ahead. Matt. here's the thing, though. Um, like, people do rewards for, like, not people, companies do rewards for people that are moving from a game that's shutting down to another one of their games. And just as an example... How many people do you think moved from Scarlet Blade to Echo of Soul, even though they got a gift pack when they if, by moving to Echo of Soul? I'd be willing to guess maybe three. <laughs> like, True, but how many moved to other MMORPGs in general? I doubt that many. Ah, I, I think if, so. A lot of I think a lot more of the MMO audience sticks to one MMO than you realize because a lot of them, especially if you're looking at Area games, they're a lot more casual. So when their game goes down, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them just drop out of the genre altogether. Well, I'd be curious to hear uh, if, if you guys out there have it, a, you know, experience with this. Leave a comment or uh, mention it because I do think yes, there is some attrition, right? That some people are just lost. But especially when games are so similar, like if you're playing, like Twin Saga just launched. I played it, and I know you guys played it last week for Sunday Funday. The other games by X Legend before Twin Saga are are pretty similar to Twin Saga, right? So there's a natural place for those older players to go, Twin Saga. 
Uh, and if Arya, let's say, did something more, like with that uh, whole Scarlet Blade and uh, the other game, where they kind of rewarded players, maybe you could transfer your character and you get like an experience boost, in, you, you, know, you get a head start in the new game. We just need a better way to transition players from older games to newer games. And what I don't want to do is just shut it out, like just, just delay everything. Like I said, I want to give them um, like a new game plus kind of feature, like a lot of RPGs do. Like if you have, a, if you have like one Tales game and you load your save in the new one, you get a little bonus and a perk. So something along those I just wanted to point out that I'm looking at the article text, and Super Mario Brothers 2 and Super Mario Brothers 3 is a completely different issue because that's a single-player game that has a definitive start and end. Right. Well, well, that's a good analogy. Go ahead, though. I, I, I want to see, for example, I think there's one company that's kind of did this, and it's not Area. It's a company called TQ Digital. They published Conquer Online, which they're probably best known for. But they before Conquer Online, they had uh, EU Demons, Edmonds Online, Zero Online, Crazy Tau, The Warlords. And a few other games, right? But what's remarkable is literally all of these games were just felt like the same exact game, like with reskins. If you played Conquer Online and you played Zero Online and Edmonds, you'll know that it's basically the same game with some variations. And by sh I think by shutting down the other games, they did move all those players onto their main game, you know, Conquer Online. And for that reason, the like Conquer Online is still pretty big. It's got a whole bunch of servers. It still feels alive. It's an old game that's still thriving. And I think one of the reasons is because it ended up shutting down those other games. I don't think Zero Online was particularly dead. It didn't have the player base Conquer did, but I think they did a good job shutting it down. I, I, I doubt they thought what Altai was saying, that we should, for the sake of putting them all in one server, I think it just wasn't as big and they shut it down for that reason. But it, it did work inadvertently for TQ Digital to move all those players. Haven't you guys ever wondered, like, I know, I mean, us on the board here, we've all probably played dozens, if not literally hundreds, of these free-to-play full-scale MMORPGs, right? And... Mm -hmm. And, you know, you sometimes, a lot of them feel empty. You know, you're walking around, you're pretty much the only one on the field. And yep. once in a while, you see one or two guys. And Gem Chambers thought, like, they must be combined between all these games, hundreds of thousands of players. And wouldn't it be cool if, instead of split among 100 games, they were on maybe, like, 10? Like, I think I think they'd be better, happier, too, because you want to interact with people. It's the whole point of this genre. No, I think you're right, because there are so many MRPGs with nobody playing them. We had, like, I think Ica still shut down recently, or did it? Was it back on the global server? Like, some of these games just don't die. Like, the publisher will abandon it, right? And then all of a sudden, like, the developer picks it back up, and they, they insist on keeping it running. So, yeah, Ica is still running. Like, Ica has, they, they advertise a thousand versus thousand epic wars, you know? Like, 2,000 people don't play this game. They can't do a 2,000-player war. Like, these games just don't die sometimes, and, I like, some of these games, I think, should die. Just for the sake of moving these players, like Algonon, like like two guys are still playing this game. Like those two guys should be playing something else. Don't be playing Algonon. Well, the other side of the argument is if it's only two people, is it really that big of a like deal? It adds up. You have angels online. Too, you have a hundred games like this. At least I I could literally name a hundred like these lingering Asian MRPGs that are still around. And angels online is still around. This game is like this private server stuff for this game. Too. Like this, these guys have to move on. The player base is not large. And I'm not saying, again, as Altai said, RuneScape 2 is a good example of a game that's really popular and is old, but it's fine. It's got a huge player base already. Tibia's got a huge player base. Those games are good. It's just that there are so many games that have, like, between 0 and 200 players. Not even 5, 0 and 200. That are just, they could be having more fun, too, if the player base wasn't so separa separated. Do you think just, maybe some of these smaller uh, player bases enjoy their exclusivity? The fact that they're, like, a small club, they live in a little village where everyone knows everybody? Maybe sure. there's some appeal to that. I don't personally enjoy that. I like the big world where I don't. I like a big city. It's like comparing village life to city life. 
Damn, that's deep. So, so maybe, maybe there are people who want the small game, and these dedicated communities voice their appreciation of that game, and they all know each other, and they've been playing for years, and maybe that's what Shy is all about, uh, is that village sense instead of building a city. Not everyone, I think, wants that massive plus 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 experience. They want the they they want the community more than the sense of uh, unlimited interaction. I have a counter to that and a little supporting point. First, the counter is, you know, in a, even in a bigger game, you can, you can create your own community, right? Like a small guild, small clan. Mm -hmm. uh, but more importantly, I think, than the village feel is a lot of the older games can run on their PC. Whereas a lot too many, I think, MMORPGs in particular today are chasing the high-end PC market, which they shouldn't. Um, and here's a good test out there. If your MMORPG can't run on your aunt's laptop in the basement that she has in the basement somewhere, right? If, you, if, if it can't run on that on medium settings, you should scrap your game and start over. Like that's, that's the, you have to aim for that kind of hardware. And that's why even when WoW came out, I remember almost, I think pretty much everyone I knew could run WoW on their current PC at the time. Wow. One of the reasons why the game did so well, along with games like League of Legends, it was very compatible. Yeah. So I think true. It's yeah, so true. a game like Shea, the guy's been playing it for whatever years, 10 years or whatever. He, he, might, he might not have a better computer, so he can't play like, you know, um, even Guild Wars 2. I think it's pretty, pretty high end looking graphics and all that. So I think it's pretty clear that I don't think gra I, I, clearly graphics don't make a game, which is why these older games continue to do well. Like if, if gamers actually cared about graphics in their MMOs, Tibia, RuneScape, well, RuneScape looks great now, but people play on the, the older client where it looks you know, old again. These games are thriving. A game like um, Silk Road Online, I kind of want to briefly mention Silk Road Online because it is another one of those old games that that's surprisingly popular. I know a lot of people probably have experience with this as well. I know, like my brother and I started playing Silk Road years ago, right? It's just MMORPG. It was by by Joy Joymax, Joyfun, Joymax. They're still doing it, I think. But I know we started playing it. We got our uncle to start playing it too, and it was hilarious because in this game, it like it had like eight like eight servers, and like it was absurd because the servers were so busy that you in order to log in, like they were all full. So you click on join a server to log in, and it would say uh, server full. Try again later, and it would actually close your client. And you have to relaunch the game, go through the stupid patcher, click launch, go through the stupid intro screen where you see the, load, the, the company's logo, and then try again. It would take hours to log into a server because they were always full, unless you were a paying member. Paying members skipped, skipped and automatically got in. So I remember I just sitting in my uncle's basement, like I'm on my laptop, he's on his computer, and we're both just trying to freaking log in to Silk Road Online for like 30 minutes, and we just couldn't do it. And somebody actually echoed that, I think, in the last podcast. And he was actually also the same issue recently where he couldn't log in because all the servers were full. How is it that these old games are just immensely popular? Is it beyond me sometimes? It wasn't even a great game, honestly. Yeah, see, I, I'm just of the mind that, okay, so to start, if you had, to, if we shut down all of the older games, right, to make way for newer games, we'd be shutting down WoW, we'd be shutting down RuneScape. No, 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 no. Shutting down no. We both made the caveat that you would shut down these 0 to 200 player based games. Yeah, that's the key. But you didn't caveat. officially make that caveat. But anyways, it's just, but that's also a completely different discussion because you're asking if we should shut down older games, and then you're asking if we should shut down unpopular games. Those are two different arguments, and that shouldn't have anything to do with their age. Uh, they're linked because I think the people playing on these zero to two hundred games, right? They're looking for more players. Like these are these are the games where when you log in. You get jumped by like five veterans. Like, hey, can we help you? Can we help you? We I, really I want think Sean also just made a counter argument that those are the people looking for small communities. So, but are they? Because they try so hard to keep the new players. Like, I, I, when I log into well, the small, of course, community. because they're friendly. 
because no, because they're just desperate for people. It's like it's like <laughs> when someone's starving, and you throw like a steak in the middle of this group of starving people. They all jump on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there, there are so like again zero. A lot of these games are like zero to a hundred even. And I don't know the game. It's just so silly to see them exist like that. I, those people would honestly have a better time with when there's more. If there's more people in their game, it's it seems. Like, no, that, that's the intuition. All right, back, back, back to Twin Saga. All right, so, like I said, X-Legend is a big, good example of, like, a company that makes, like, these, uh, like, these seek, almost, like, sequel games. They churn games. them out. They, they churn them copy out. and paste them. They give them a little gold star, and, like, they kick them out the door, and they say, well, we're going to replace you in a year. <laughs> but that's I, X-Legend. I missed last Sunday Funday, and I wanted to give the game a look um, on my own, like, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I was surprised to say I liked it. I, I, I got to, like, level 38 or something. Uh, and like once it was pretty quick leveling, uh, but but I enjoyed it. It was it, it's it felt like the the perfect starter MMORPG for like a kid. That's pretty much what we agreed on. I think we said the same thing. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I think we said exactly that. So what do you guys think of the game besides that? I I thought um, you know what I thought too like if this game was free to play when I was like, you know, still in high school or whatever, I didn't have that much money. This would have been so awesome because like the games we had to deal with the resolution, the graphics, the like the features were so hard to overcome. Like this game was Whoa, so smooth. Maple Story was top notch. And we played Maple Story in high school. Don't you dare talk smack about my boy Maple Story, all right? Uh, maybe Maple Story was okay, but a lot of the games are bad interface, bad um, like resolution options, just clunky control uh, visuals and UI. But uh, mm-hmm. Twin Saga seemed very fluid. I would really recommend it to someone looking for like a really lighthearted, simple to play uh, MMORPG. I mean. Along also, well, I think we, we talked quite a bit about Twin Saga as well. It's a simple game. It's fun. Great for kids. But there's another game I, I sometimes on Steam, for example, Thanatos the Dragon Chasers, or just Thanatos. Uh, it fits perfectly of that mesh of this game that is 0 to 100 players. It's got 27 players online right now. The game is Duke. I think Gumby did a video for it. I certainly did. The game released on August 24th on Steam and not a single review yet. Not one <laughs> review. Like, literally nobody cares about this game. No, they've There's... definitely been deleting them because there were reviews. I saw them. They're all negative, I guess. Yeah, they've definitely been deleting them. All right, it says no users. That's why. I wasn't aware that on Steam they could just delete developers could delete reviews. They Some... can. Steam has been doing a purge, and um, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, soon. But these these twenty well, players just... are lost. I have no idea who those. deleted them. Just somebody deleted them. Also, I feel like. Uh, if these games didn't exist, it would be good, I think, for the industry. If a lot of these old dead games that didn't just garner, there's, 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 as I said, probably tens of thousands of players, active players, just stuck in these old games because they were just, they started playing them back in the day, and they're probably the only ones still playing them. But the numbers add up. Yeah. And again, I, I'm, I'm saying, listen, even if they lose more, half or over half, just go to like Candy Crush, right? I, it's mm-hmm. still better for the genre overall. Uh, if, yeah. this, if these games were just shut down already. And if we're done with that, before we get to the new uh, next discussion point, I want to make a quick revision to a point I made last week about Overwatch going free-to-play. I made I made a statement that I thought Overwatch would go free-to-play eventually, and I talked about the business model. So Gumby and Matt, I want to revise my prediction slightly. I want to say it's going to go free-to-play with the caveat that ranked play will require a purchase. Think about it. Doesn't that fix all the problems? Free players, they can monetize more users in quick play by buying the stupid boxes. Prevents hackers because they still have to buy the game to play ranked. Who wants to, who wants to hack in quick play? It's pointless. I think we've said a bunch of times that 
Counter Strike doesn't stop hackers. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that's true. But at least at least they can monetize hackers that way. Because I know Counter Strike makes a lot of money off people hacking and buying new accounts. So it's another another avenue for Blizzard to consider free to play Overwatch because they can still monetize those hackers because they keep getting banned to keep buying new accounts. So if if rank play is segmented for paying members, I don't think free to play users will bitch. I don't. Fact, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think people that are going to have to buy for ranked are going to be the ones that bitch, not the free players. They're going to game for free. No, no, no. no. The, the people that already bought the game, they, they still have ranked. The, the, the people that bought yeah, the game don't lose new anything. New users, you know? Yes, new users. That but just doesn't seem worth it. Like they, they're for... compelled to... You can, you, can, you can convert those free users into paying users if they want to play ranked. Otherwise, you still monetize them. But they can still play the exact same game without the numbers well, by playing Quick Play. I, to be honest, sure, I, uh, I won't even play Quick Play anymore because I think they're two different games. Quick Play is a shit show, whereas Ranked is actually uh, fun because the teams actually work together. I actually, I it's don't see it happening. Game. It's just the players. I don't see it happening over, but I think um, I like it. I like it a lot. It actually seems like a smart, a smart move on Blizzard's part. Again, is that... Let those people play for as Matt was saying, they, they get to play Overwatch without the numbers. Beautiful. Let them play, let them enjoy the game. They might buy They'll some convert. of the free users will buy yeah, the, just, it just doesn't the, work. Alright, you guys are you're arguing nonsense, like the details. Listen, Blizzard still charges like twenty bucks for Diablo two. And oh, Starcraft it's never gonna 1. happen. So Overwatch Diablo going to free two. play is is beyond is like you, you you're dreaming. You're dreaming a dream, baby. Hold like, on, first of all, first of all, you can't <laughs> compare okay. Diablo two. Diablo two has no microtransactions. You, do you forget that you can buy loot boxes? Okay, uh, what is it? Doesn't Diablo 3 have microtransactions now? I can't no. remember. No, they, had the they used to. Got they rid got rid of it. it. Oh, no, yeah. StarCraft is going to have microtransactions. They're considering it. They're asking it right now. But again, okay, that's... But it, it's not going to go free-to-play if they add microtransactions. They're... Who knows? It might. You don't know that. They're going to do free I, I weekends. Do They're going to lower the price to 20 bucks eventually after a year or two. Because remember, don't forget, it's, all, it's, still, it's a console game. So it's... The they, console, the console game already is a free trial, free weekend. Okay, free weekend. Yeah, they're gonna do free weekend. They're gonna they, lower the box price. I just, I'll take this. There's a distinction, and uh, shooters like this aren't like MMORPGs. They don't just go free to play when the community drops. They just shut down. But it's, Blizzard, it's a Overwatch is gonna be a long term. I, I don't think. I don't think Blizzard realized what they did with StarCraft. It was it got a lot of sales and it came out, and then it was dead. That that's what StarCraft was for Blizzard. And they, I think they want to have a longer lifespan in Overwatch. And they have the, they have the loot box that so they can monetize they the boxes, throughout yeah. the entire... Yes. Alte, think two year, one year from now, right? Nobody's buying Overwatch pack, packs anymore. Why would Why? they? People that bought it already They're bought gonna it. They're going to lower it. There's going to be a sale. 20 bucks. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, once all, in a while, they do that. There'll be like but 10 sales, new characters by then. Sales or whatever. will slow to a... No, the new characters don't appeal to people that never played the game. The new characters what? are just there for people that are, that are still playing, to keep them playing. When the sales slow to a trickle, their monetization has to be from loot boxes. And then they they'll lose nearly nothing by making it free to play and monetizing free to play. Or, users. or already free weekend and then drop the price to twenty. Boom. But boom. There's a certain group of players that just aren't going to buy. Oh, buy you forget. All right, Remo, you forget one thing, one big thing. You said earlier, and I, this really caught my attention. You said the the hackers don't want to hack in quick play. I think you're delusional. Uh, how many how many free to play shooters are there where there's no ranking system, but it's full of hackers? So it the, happens. Yeah. Quick. If you did, if if hacking is an issue, right? If it gets there. If Blizzard auto catch doesn't work properly, quick play, with or without buy to play we, or free to play, will be already, full of hackers. We've already seen it's full of the, the buy to play model. Does that prevent the hacking? Regardless, yeah. neither is free. Okay, so okay. Let's... The point is, you just stop hacking, sure, but you'll still have that extra barrier between you can still monetize hackers to play ranked because people in in a Counter Strike go. 
they hack, they get banned, they buy again, they play ranked again. It happens, and they monetize that. Anyway, right. I, I want to make it official. I want to make a anyone to take me up on this bet. I will put five dollars on the line. I will say Overwatch will go free to play in one year. All right, put their money on the line. Yeah, yeah, let's go. No way in hell. Uh, you're on for five bucks. Altai and uh, Altai and Matt. Wait, let's let's look at the notes. It was and Sean. Sean was included. Sean, you're in, in on that. this. He was at least. Gumby's Gumby's. Yeah, uh... Uh, my final counter to your point and the reason why Blizzard won't do it is uh, I I don't think sales will slow down as much as you think they will. I think that uh, number one discounts and number two I think if depending on how tech develops, and this is speculation, imagine China says, imagine there's some breakthrough in tech and it gets cheaper and you bring other countries online and it becomes more affordable. Like in two years, Overwatch could be big somewhere else in the world. And okay. Blizzard will still get sales. I don't know, I'm just speculating. Um, I just, I don't see Blizzard going free to play in a year. I could see it later down the line, <laughs> but not a year. So I'm going to go ahead and bet against you. Okay, I got five bucks from each of you. We'll, we will be up, we'll be keeping track of this bet. It'll be on a Google Docs. And we'll actually put it on mos.com slash gentlemen's wagers where we keep track of all our bets. So it'll be publicly available to everyone. And I I am pretty confident that this might come through. All right. Well, Tennis has not gone free to play with loot boxes. So you have a long, long road ahead of you. It's also been four months and there hasn't been a hint of a sale or a free weekend. Yo, we had a, we had, we had a free weekend. We had a free weekend. For console. For, for console. Yeah. No, yeah, that's for consoles. Do you know why that was, Omer? Why consoles right. got a free... The only reason was that console populations have been hurting. It's the only reason. PC populations are so robust, they have no reason to do a free weekend. Okay, again, you, you have to think, again, a year from now. I am Obviously, right now, the game now. is at its peak fun, right? No, 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 no. When I think, I don't, see, I think Overwatch, my bet is this. Overwatch's popularity is going to still be intense within, uh, within a year. I don't see the game fading anytime soon. I don't think there's any prospect of competitors to it. I don't think anyone has debuted anything. At whoa, whoa, Gamescom Lawbreakers, anything Lawbreakers, guys. Lawbreakers, of course. Yeah, exactly. Lawbreakers isn't no, the same game, though. We've been yeah, nothing's going to rival Overwatch, and that's why I don't think a year from now it'll be free to play. Right. Maybe down the road, but also, not, Gumby, not a year. I'm not saying the player base will decline. I'm saying the new amount of people buying the game. Blizzard has an, Blizzard sees sales data every week. No, no, I understand what you're saying. X number of copies. That yeah, number yeah. will be very low in a year from now. I'm saying. No, I get it. I okay. think I think Blizzard's. I, we'll see. I think Blizzard's going to have other avenues of, of monetizing. They won't worry about Overwatch as much. I think we're going to see some big news from Blizzard in 2017, but we'll see. All right, which it's, I, I want to end my this Overwatch discussion. I've been playing a shit ton of Overwatch this last week. I had a day where I played 16 hours straight. The next day I played 8 hours. And since then I stopped playing as much. I mean, I started playing casually. I got my 3K rating. Boom, baby. Congratulations. Gummy, what are you at? 24-something. Are you beating Altai? Yeah, I, I, I got to play more. I've been playing too much WoW. Oh, yeah? All right. You want to talk about what we played then? Because we got Yeah, it. okay. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we played. What have we been playing? All oh. right, so... I, uh, Take it away, man. Do you want to go? Oh, I was going to say, uh, since people in Discord have been yelling at me about the fact that they see me playing it in Discord, I'm just going to go over HackMud <laughs> briefly. And... Um, this is a game that I know I've been waiting for for a long time. Like, I grew up with a Mac, so I had to play Mac games. And one of the games that I played a lot of was Uplink, which is a hacking single-player game. And basically, what you do is you'll, like, drag something onto something else, and it'll represent this type of hacking. Or you'll, like, uh, click this and then click that and, like, use, you know, just not real hacking. It's interfaces and graphical stuff. HackMod is a real hacking game. 
where you hack other players using real JavaScript code. That's pretty I mean, cool. So it's multiplayer? This is an, it's an MMO. That's awesome. It's a legit MMO. And you can break into other people's like systems and take their money. You can trick them by creating like a shell corporation that looks like one that they can break into and take um like they have abandoned accounts that you can take money from when you're starting out and shell corporations now that used to be real corporations that are like dead, you know? And um you can like set something up like that and trick them so that where it looks like a puzzle and then as soon as they get to a certain point it just like hacks and takes their money or something like that you know they're um the way that this is balanced though because they take by having javascript you open up a lot of like vulnerabilities and as it's been explained to me it's like all of javascript almost except a little bit just a little bit is taken out because you you have to have security risks eliminated and um, the way that it's balanced so that you can't create unsolvable puzzles or a way that people can't get in is that you can't create your own defenses. There are locks that are like created by the developer and that you can set up on your computer. And you have like a lock where you have, it's called easy 21 or something. And you have to type open or release or unlock and you have to guess the right one. Or you have like a color one and you have to guess the right color. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean. It looks crazy. Looks pretty cool. Yo, Raise 0101 just gave an awesome suggestion. Imagine the developers teamed up with uh, Mr. Robot and rebranded it and like had this license. I was license thinking the game. same thing. It would literally be it would explode because it's a really cool concept for an MMO, and like it seems it's it's different at least. It seems awesome, and then I mean, be big with that. They also have like corporations and stuff because the developer was inspired a little bit by Eve. And what you can do is I've read posts on the forums and stuff. And instead of hacking directly into users, you can like set up scripts that will hack corporations and take money from the users. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So what is the end? Like, is the goal just to accumulate money or do you like build a little base or what is like the, it's, how, what's the progression? It's like? infinite. You have options because you, it, as it's been, as he, as the developer said to me, you could basically re-implement the entire game in the scripting language. So you can basically just do whatever you want. You create content for other players. You can compete with other players. It's just, it's mostly a PvP hacking thing, from what I get gather. But um, PvP hacking, I love that term. And you can cooperatively hack. Like you can have one person pulling the strings and telling you where to go and hack, and you have another guy actually doing the hacking because you have people that are better at puzzles or better at scripting or better at leading, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you have a time limit because when you're hacking, you go into this hardline mode, which has a 120 second timer. And um, it, once it runs out, you get kicked out of everything that you're hacking at that time. Hmm. So you have to work together with other people and get all the locks taken down. So wait a second. Oh, I was just going to ask, isn't cooperative hacking when two people use the same keyboard? I saw that on NCIS. No, like, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I always thought it was. So here's my, uh, is this aimed at like people with experience already with coding and stuff? Or is there like some kind of tutorial and kind of like, like a beginner progression so that people have a sense of like, can I progress without like facing off against someone who like, is it approachable by someone okay, who doesn't know so programming? Here's a cool part of it, right? So it it tries to ease you in with a three-hour um, tutorial-like story thing that's single-player and sandboxed off of the other people. 
Like you're just instanced out for this duration of that tutorial. Mm. And then after you get in, like you have a little bit of knowledge of how to do it, but not a whole lot if you don't know a whole lot of co about coding. But um, once you get in, people can make scripts and then sell them to other players. Oh, um, to make it like, easier for you, like you, because you can just use like Lego pieces or whatever in the script. And, and also if you break into other people's computers, you can also take some of their upgrades. Interesting. Now, when you take their stuff, is that kind of like stored as like drag and drop like modules on your end, or how does that work? Like, how do I activate a script that I buy? Or you you have to load it in. Like, you have a system, and you can load it onto your system or unload it. I see. So, are you are you like the terminal, or are you like a character? Like, you're kind of like a sentient AI, is what okay. I gathered from the tutorial. It's pretty cool. Uh -huh. That's pretty. Yeah, that's, and, that's I'm see, it's on Steam now. When is it going to release? It's Eight launching days. on the twenty second. Oh, so it's not out yet. And what is their uh, like business model? It's going to be buy to play to start with, and it's going to cost thirteen thirty seven because you know Leet. Leet <laughs> I love it. And uh, I, I talked to him. I had an interview with the developer earlier today, and he said that he would eventually like to monetize through stuff like uh, cosmetics, things like not a subscription and things that don't give you an edge of any kind. I feel like everyone always has an idea. Okay, we're going to we're gonna monetize off non-pay-to-win only cosmetic stuff, I swear. And then we slowly get, you know... Well, there's also the initial box fee, so there's of that. Of course, yeah, it makes it easier. But every developer in the world says, okay, don't worry, it's only, it's only, it's only uh, cosmetics. We went down that avenue with BDO. Like, we're not going to do this. We promise. It's buy to play. We'll never do that. And then, like, three months later, we're doing it. Deal with it. Or, like, someone sitting in a room smoking cigars saying, we're going to steal all their money. Yeah. We're going to steal all their <laughs> money. we lit room with cigar With lingerie and, and, and I love it. pay to win so, items. Is this under any kind of uh, NDA or anything? Like, uh, I'd love to see, like, um, like, a beginner, like, like, of you playing this game, like, for the first hour or so. Just, like, mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of, it's one of those games where you can't tell uh, from the screenshots alone, like, what to expect, like what, uh, mm -hmm. at least I can't, I don't know, this is kind of abstract for me. So I'd, I'd like to see like a beginner uh, going through it, you know, for 10, 20 minutes, whatever. Just so, so before I buy, I know like, well, what, what am I buying exactly? Yeah. You're, you're buying a game where you write real JavaScript code to execute actions. Right, but it's so abstract to me because I'm sure it is yeah, to we, a lot we, of people. Yeah, we, we haven't done that. <laughs> you can barely do CSS. I can I can do some basic CSS from copy pasting other CSS <laughs> and playing with the numbers. That's very cool. Uh, again, it'll launch on September twenty second, in eight days. Available on Steam. And I know we're talking about Steam, but we've got to talk about Legion before we talk about Steam. Okay. Fair enough. You know I, mean? so got I, beef I really want to I really want to transition us into Steam, but uh, all right, Steam, brief... we, we, all right, we can go back. I'll bring, a... I'll bring up Legion later. Yeah. Fine. Let me introduce the Steam shenanigans to see if I get it right because I really don't have my I don't have any cards in this in this debate. I think everyone else here is pretty passionate. I got my cards ready. So, I got them ready, boys. So being fairly neutral, uh, what happened was Steam recently revamped its entire review system. Uh, basically, in in order to further automate and curate their reviews and combat uh, spam reviews and um, pay, basically paid-for reviews where developers would hand out keys and then ask for a positive review, Steam now makes it so that by default, any reviews which are given of a game by keys not purchased through Steam will not count by default to the overall score of the game. 
And what's happened is a lot of indie-based games, which don't have many reviews, have either suffered or benefited from this new, uh, this new policy. Basically, uh, if a game had a 70% positive rating before, and they lost one view because one of the reviews left behind was by a someone with a key that got outside of Steam. Now they're at 69%, now it's a mixed review. Uh, so basically, Steam is trying to fix their review process, but in its wake, it's made many indie devs unhappy. And I actually have a link here. We can get some quotes up. Uh, some of the quotes being, oh, should I just, it's from Gamasutra. Basically, it's all Twitter quotes. This new Steam reviewer policy has dropped Shardlight down from 115 reviews to 64. That's pretty crazy. So a lot of reviews were given by keys outside of the game. Like, even if you got a key from Kickstarter, it will no longer count by default to the overall score. The reviews are still there, then. Uh, we lost many positive reviews on Dropsy, but also lost, also lose most of the 0.1 hours on records I hate clowns type reviews, which was a big problem. There's a lot of people on Steam. I actually have an article from 11 months ago. People would just, they would just troll reviews. They would just... They would write, like, this game. They would do, like, joke reviews. This game is garbage and stuff like that. So I know Matt and Erhan, I know they're both very passionate here. I guess Omer is, too. So uh, why don't we start? We'll start with uh, we'll start with Altai. We'll start with the... Uh... No, we, we should start with... I think we should start with Matt. Just... Okay, start with Matt. Better clarify. Oh, right. So, so we can end on the negative You're, side. No, 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 supposed... no, no. You'll go back to you, though. <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt, I'm joking. You get the last word. It doesn't matter. All right. We, have, we should follow a court of law. You start with the prosecution and end with a defense, but now I'm not sure who's which, so... Uh, I, I'm joking, though, but, um... Basically, I, I see this as a massive issue, and, um, the reason that I see this as an issue is I'm just gonna make a really quick, like, comparison, and I see this as the same thing as DRM. It's not the same effect, you know, but it, it has... Or not the same cause, but it has the same effect. Um, in DRM, legitimate users get fucked out of, like, their own copies sometimes because of keys that... They don't have enough and they won't give them more in the case of like Sekirom or you just like can't get it to run like some hardware doesn't work with certain DRMs mm -hmm. and um, basically all it does is fuck over the legitimate user whereas the people that would have hacked or would have pirated it can get it pirated from a version that's hacked by someone else. I mean it happens every single game and I mean a lot of games have been moving to a system where like in the case of like the crew, Need for Speed, uh, Steep, The Division, they force online interaction and an otherwise single player or co-op game to make it seem like the DRM is worth having. It's always online so that they have a reason to make you want to be always online. At least I'm pretty sure that's why they did that. I mean, I can't prove that, but that's... Right. I think we can all agree we don't like DRM, but... Yeah, I don't see the connection, but, but keep going. Now, what's going on with... The reviews is legitimate users are getting fucked over by being told that their opinion doesn't matter if they bought on Humble Bundle, if they bought on Green Man Gaming, if they bought on Gamersgate, if they bought on itch.io and they were given a key. They their user their opinions don't matter even if they paid the same amount. Kickstarter backers who believed in the game from the very beginning don't count anymore. They're being told that their opinions don't matter. Meanwhile, malicious users that were paying for reviews are now probably just going to figure in the cost of the game and the review cost, what they pay them. Okay, that's true. But, but here's my counter. Ready? Put my trap card. You're saying they're being denied a voice, right? People who bought from bundles and such? That's not true. They're free to leave reviews on one of a thousand review sites. 
In fact, they're still free to leave a review on Steam itself, right? You scroll down, you can still read their reviews. Their reviews are not disappearing. What's changing is their, their per number percent of stars or whatever, right? Do they keep the game? That's changing. That's going away. Yeah, but that's the part that's important because no one reads reviews. People look at that tiny little they do, um, yes. thing and they but make a snap judgment based on that. And now, now, like with Simon Roth, who I just linked, he is thinking that he's going to go out of business because his um, score dropped from, I don't remember what it was, I think it was mixed, to somewhere way in the negatives, like 45%, because all of his positive Kickstarter reviews that understood where the game was at are now gone. If his game sucks, it sucks. But my point is... <laughs> no, but that's not the issue. With early access games, the game doesn't always suck. It's just not done. Well, he shouldn't sell it on Steam or he shouldn't offer yeah, it on don't, Steam. If you're not prepared to get reviews of people buying and, it on Steam... But here's the more important bad. part, rather than arguing like that part. Here's the important part. The, the percentage you see on Steam could be seen as a feature of the Steam platform. And if you don't sell your game on the Steam platform... I don't see why Steam has to offer that feature to you. It's like this. Imagine a game like League of Legends. Should League of Legends have a Steam review page with a score? I mean, I guess Steam could add that if they want, right? But what's the point? Like, wh why should League of Legends have a review site a portion on Steam? Right. Also, I mean, it's worth clarifying the reason behind this move. It's so far been left in the dark. So I'm going to explain why Valve did this. Their logic was that a lot of these indie games were being artificially inflated scores because developers would give away keys to their friends. Because besides selling your game on Steam, developers can give, out, give away keys to whoever they want. They can actually sell those keys directly on their website for a discounted price if they want, or just give them away to whoever they want. Those keys can be activated on Steam, and those guys are leaving overwhelmingly positive reviews. So let's say I'm head of indie company X. My game sucks. I give away my, my, a key to my brother, all my friends, all my Facebook friends. Hey, guys, here's, here's this key. Leave a positive review for me on Steam. Now, all these people that got the game for free, all of a sudden, they're more inclined to leave positive reviews. Even if they got it from a giveaway, they got it from the developer, because they got the game for free. They leave a positive review, and now it baits real users on Steam to think the game is good, and they end up buying it, and it's crap. So there is a reason why they did this, and they actually put some numbers out, saying if they, the people that redeem these keys on Steam overwhelmingly leave positive reviews, and it's because of things like developer giveaways, giving keys to whoever, or selling keys discounted through direct sales, and okay. all of that stuff. There's, that was the reason. And Matt, so far, my... you have, you've ignored that other, that other side of the argument. No, but that's an overcorrection. It's all or nothing. It's what they're doing. They don't have, like, they're not putting the effort into finding a solution that's not all or nothing. And another problem with that is, well, shit, where was I? Oh, God. You say it's overcorrection. And in a way, it is, but no, I think it solves it, the problem. No, but um, I had another point. And I lost it. I think oh, here's the main yeah. thing. The fee, it's a, if you want to participate in their percentage, right? It should be bought on the Steam platform. Um, That's what it is now. And here's yeah. the problem with uh, Matt was saying earlier about Kickstarter players understanding the early access process or the you know alpha process. If I'm Joe Average player, not the not a Kickstarter evangelist player who funded the game three years ago. I'm a Joe Average. I go to, I go to Steam to play Counter Strike once in a while. I just got my allowance, you know, from my mommy. I got ten dollars to spend. I click around the store, right? I, I, I land on this game. It's called, you know, Space Travel Extreme. Warning, early access. I don't read that because I'm, I'm Joe Average Mommy player. Okay? I, okay, I don't read any of that shit. Like, do not buy this if it's early access. I don't care about it. I don't read it. It doesn't matter to me. All I care about, I, I look at the score. I buy the game. Now it sucks. It's unfinished. I can't log in on Tuesdays. 
And guess what? I have, a, I have a legitimate reason to give it a negative score because that score is, is not aimed at the Kickstarter community. If, if your evangelist community is turned off by a mixed review, like red text on Steam, that's, that's you failing as a developer. Game, well, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's so important for the, the ignorant player coming in for the first time to that game page. Okay, but he wants to know if he should buy it or not. That. Here's the issue with that. You guys give crap to games that do work, like Ark, because they're using the early access thing when they shouldn't be. But the games that are actually early access, they shouldn't be purchased. They can be purchased. They can. I can review them. I can review them, yeah. Like, it's, it's here's the thing. Reviewing an early access game is something... You know, if they're I offering think... it for sale on the Steam platform to the average user, right? To the average user, like the, the generic guy who doesn't even know. Most people, most gamers probably don't even know what early access means. All they see is a game page. If they can buy it, it's released. That's it. That's all that matters to the average guy. I think, I think Altai makes a good point that we seem to ignore. A lot of people don't care, follow, give a shit about Kickstarter games. They go to Steam, they see a game, they buy it, they leave a review. And I think their opinion does matter. And I do think that... People leaving reviews from early access are completely biased. Matter. I'm saying that the opinion of the people that bought it elsewhere also matters. But is but it? Steam, but who is it more? Here's the thing: a Steam review. I know it's very important to developers, right? If they get a bad review, it could tank their company, like like you were just linking that guy. But the Steam review percentage is mainly there to help who? Who's it there to help? It's not there to help review uh, developers, right? It's not. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is to help the average gamer who doesn't read gaming news, who doesn't read Kickstarter, who doesn't. Uh, all he does is play games, and once in a while he get, he has an allowance and he sees a game on Steam. That review score should help that person. If it doesn't help that person, it's not serving its purpose as a feature in Steam. It might be serving a broader industry purpose, right, of gauging, but that's not the aim of it. Uh, Metacritic and stuff. And, and Steam actually does a really good job. It does list the Metacritic score as well um, That's in their true. games. So if you bought the game elsewhere, Kickstarter, bundles, you can still review the game. You can still sh opine on it elsewhere and even on Steam itself. Like I was saying, the reviews that you're saying no one reads. But an early access gamer is probably more inclined to read those reviews, read those reviews, not just look at the number, than the average gamer. So this actually serves both people. People who care or, and are involved can read the review. People who are ignorant, don't know what early access is, don't give a shit about early access, alpha, pre-alpha, builds. They can just look at the score and decide if they want to buy it or not. I think it's the only solution Valve can have. Because, you know, Matt said it, is a, a take, no, it was a one-swipe solution. But if developers can give away keys outside of the Steam platform and those keys can be redeemed, it opens the door to abuse. There's literally impossible to moderate every single review and the process. And don't forget, some people have actually benefited from this. It's not, it's not just a matter of everyone's reviews going down. There's a post here. Uh, this guy, this game actually went up in review. What was it? Sean, I think you looked at it earlier, right? Cedars. No, I didn't link it. But I do know that there are people whose scores have gone up. And I think yeah. they're in a rel relatively silent crowd because they have nothing to really say about it. Only the people that were hurt are bitching about it. And I, I, I understand why they're complaining. I mean, their business is failing because of this, too. But Valve's, I think Altai's main argument is Valve's uh, prerogative, their mission is not to serve these developers, it's to right. serve Valve's customers. And yeah. those are gamers. Also, if you bought the game on Steam, you're Valve's customer, right? You're Steam's customer. If you bought the key elsewhere, the, you, you're by default less, you know, you're still you're like a discount customer, like a wholesale customer, right? Like, or yeah. like an auxiliary customer. The main goal of that review should be to serve the guy who's buying on Steam. Yeah. 
That's fair. Yeah, let's keep in mind. Um, and I, Ali, I, I, and Ali, I mean, you're, go ahead, Matt. And I mean, you're right that it should serve the guy on Steam, but um, that's buying on Steam. But the the problem with it is, is that by adding early access, you add an extra level of complexity. A lot of people aren't going to go back and update their reviews. So your early access review is the only one that you're going to get from that guy. Yeah. In most ch cases. So once the game is finally finished, if it's not shit anymore, you're still stained by those early access reviews permanently. I mean, there's got to be a cost. There's got to be a cost to early access to developers. Yeah, developers know if they want to push an early access title, there's some there's that cost that's associated with it with those negative reviews. I think early access has been a okay, freebie for then, publishers till now, developers. Oh, till okay. Now. But then here, here's a counter offer. Should early access reviews not count after the game is released? Maybe they could be tagged early access. They could two, two review numbers, early access. No, I mean, the... should they be taken out of the overall average after it's released? Oh, no, perhaps perhaps it could be, maybe the, the, the whole game page would be taken down and re relaunched when it's full release, too. I mean, I, I would keep two pages. Keep two pages, yeah. Early access, keep two pages. Early but, access but, version. But most outdated. importantly, this is Steam's choice because whatever they feel from their internal. Remember, Steam is a very comp a very intelligent company. They have a lot of number crunchers, you know, data analysis people. So th this is not this is not like us. We're just talking on a whim. And I, you know, I could be wrong. You could be oh. wrong. But Steam, the developers, are very intelligent. You know, they they have I'm sure they have a bajillion data points, and they decided that this is the this is the way to serve the customer the best. <laughs> so they're okay, they're from a I point of knowledge. Point. I didn't remember my other point. My my issue is that Steam has thousands of games, and their sample size was 160. Well, over 160, but that means it's under 170. You know what I mean? So, I mean, this could literally be this could literally be all the crap that they've been letting through green light. Like, there's poop in my soup. That is has people that are giving out keys for good reviews. I mean, I, it, it could just I, I be the people that let through it. For every single like scientific study saying, oh, it only pulled X number of people. Clearly, that could have been. Yeah, you're right. It could have been the worst. But every statistical study always looks at a small sample size and extrapolates to a larger size. Always. And 160 games, uh, they, have, they do have thousands of games. They, they, they do population extrapolation on much smaller numbers, and they still get generally accurate readings. So whatever, whatever guy they hired to do this research, I doubt he's you know, that inept that he, you know, he doesn't realize how statistics work, and they got to pick a varied sample size from different categories to get a decent number. But it's very clear to me that people that get keys from discounted sites or from developers friends or from giveaways these developers do giveaways or these give copies of their game away for free and those guys are gonna leave positive reviews now not, if, well uh, not necessarily because cedar is the one we're looking at right now they said right. that the ones that they gave away in bundles were the ones that yeah. were stunningly negative because the people bought the bundle for another game played the game simply to get the trading cards and then left a negative review because they didn't like it yeah i i don't i don't buy that idea that the People who buy bundles will give good reviews. No, my, bundles, my, get the game for free. Okay, but that's completely different. No, maybe, maybe actually, not. Uh, like we get troll reviews or something non-serious, something funny. I don't think it necessitates a positive. I think I think, I think my get... silver bullet is is on point here, where that number should serve the person oh, who great. sees that screen, right? That that Steam Store screen, yeah. and that's his only interaction with that game up to that point. He doesn't know about it's on Kickstarter. He doesn't know if it's on Humble Bundle. All he does is play Counter Strike. He gets his $5 allowance. He's, the only time he's seen that game is that one page. And that review score should serve him. Every other review score, Metacritic, the comments section on the bottom with the text, that can serve the wider gaming industry community. So whatever Steam and Valve have to do, uh, 
you know, to, to get that number to serve that person. That's That should be their aim and their goal. I just, I still believe that this doesn't serve that person because all these people outside of buying on Steam, buying it for the same price that the people on Steam are, are not getting that benefit. I mean, well, that's the point, but, right? But they might be Here, different here's demographics. The thing. Okay, wait, here's the thing, though. If you bought the orange box in store today, which I don't think you can anymore, but if yeah, you bought the orange box in store today, mm -hmm. that is Valve's game. Right. And you still can't leave a review that counts. That still makes sense to me. You know why? The person who would buy it it's on the Walmart shelf and the person who would see that Steam store are not the same demographic. So that they don't serve the same. The person who buys it in the store might be an EGM reader or like a GameSpot reader, you know, like reads the magazines and he wants to see a score there. Whereas someone who sees a Steam site, it should be tailored to, you know, what he expects, his expectations, his, you know, and so on. All right. I was going to say I, again, the only way to stop abuse of giving, if I'm the developer, I give copies to all my Facebook friends. I tell them to leave me a positive review. There's no cost for me doing that. This closes that loophole permanently. <laughs> if I want positive reviews, I got, people have to keep buying it on scene to leave that positive review. And my friends aren't going to do that for free. It closes a legitimate loophole. Except it doesn't because the people that were already paying for reviews that are the issue are just going to figure that in. But it's so much easier to do to, to do this now. Like in this the won't system, end. This won't end the buying reviews. That's correct. Yeah, now, now you have double whammy. People that are willing to buy the reviews and the people that are just but you have to at least they friends. have to at least pay money to Steam thirty yeah, percent every time. At least right? Steam gets their cut now. Yeah. So, but that I still doesn't serve the user. That serves Steam. Right, but it's a, no, no, it's, no, 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 no. Those it's a speed bump. positive it's a speed bump. reviews. No, no, those people leaving positive reviews, the developer gave copies to their friends, are hurting Steam users. They're tricking Steam users to buying the game that they otherwise would never have bought because it got over because it got more positive reviews than it deserves. Uh, okay, but then there's it, it's the not as simple as that. That's gonna be there regardless. You can't bring up buying reviews as a counter argument because that's gonna but, happen. But it's regardless. not that simple because they're also the people tricking people into buying a game that sucks based on the first half an hour that never play it again. That have top rated reviews. I mean it, it's really not that simple. Could this I'm be a, could this be uh, the first step towards many other steps of Valve trying to rein in the ecosystem? Because I they, just they've been kind of complacent. I, There's too many other sites, like even Humble Bundle, <laughs> uh, all these other sites you can get keys from. Mm -hmm. They kind of they kind of take the user away from Steam, right? That, that, that would otherwise be on Steam buying games directly. Yeah, I'm I calling just, it. Valve has been been way too generous. Direct sales are going to go away. <laughs> Developers will not be able to sell copies of their game on their own website. Another website's going forward. I think if you want to be on Steam, you got to buy it from Steam. That's that's the road they're going, and I I can't blame them. I don't know why they're they're, they're letting sales get through on other websites. It's yeah. a terrible business. And decision. maybe the, maybe the whole uh, the, what was that trading game? What was that trading thing called? The keys trading site? Oh, R two A stuff. G, yeah. The only way I can think to rein them in is to say, hey, you got to buy from Steam. That's it. Yeah. If Steam did that, G two A is done. Yeah. All, all those, you know, sites that buy Steam keys with fraudulent credit cards, all this sleazy shit, steal keys, they'll be out of business tomorrow. And maybe, and maybe that's a harsh uh, step, it's just like the review thing being a, a step, maybe a harsh step. But this is the real world, and sometimes, you know, you can't craft a perfect solution, right? You got to just go with what whatever, you know, is, a, is you know, three steps forward, two steps back. You know, you're still ahead. I still just think this is the wrong solution, and maybe the solution is caused by an underlying problem with the positive negative uh, user reviews, which have long been uh, regarded as a bad idea. Do you know what's funny to me in what this whole solution? thing? Hmm. Go ahead. If, if you want to I don't know what the solution is. It. I just, right now, I think this was the wrong one. All right, Gumby? Uh, this just shows you, um, 
And actually, I think I'm inclined to agree with Erhan here. Not that he's always right or anything, but uh, just because I think that there did need to be some quality control over Steam reviews and it should protect the consumer. But I think what's more interesting is just how important Steam is to this ecosystem. Steam is so paramount. And honestly, I do feel for people who are hurt by this, especially indie devs, guys who are pursuing passion projects. But it just shows that like Steam is the monopoly. I mean, if you want to be successful as an indie developer, you have to be on Steam. And I was actually trying to find data as to whether or not um, an overall negative review score actually affects sales. I imagine it, it, intuitively it does, right? So it just shows you, I mean, that Steam store page, I mean, that's your, your shop window and that's your only shop window. That is your portal to your larger mm -hmm. population. I, I do find that problematic. Uh, I don't know what the solution is there besides a competing platform, which I don't think you could compete. Um, but Steam, Steam is just, I think it's, too intricate to the process maybe going forward this will help balance the playing field and people will be able to bounce back um but i i don't know i think it's unfortunate but necessary or at least something was needed deep yeah fair steam right. reviews were accessible and uh <laughs> to to kind of cover all bases here again this, the reviews are still there which means the scores are still there at least in the back end for for uh for valve to analyze you know, as it goes forward, and you know they could they could adjust their uh, their little algorithm. Maybe they'll give it halfway. Maybe they'll make two different scores, like kind of like that, because they have a Metacritic score still, uh, and then they have their Steam store. Maybe they'll do like a third party I'm like score. A, and then I'm ninety percent sure that the Metacritic score just doesn't count anymore. I don't think anybody looks at that. Really? I, I think I they see the positive at the top, and they just kind of. Well, that's yeah, definitely I'm, with the most... I'm with Matt on this one. That's definitely I don't the think they see the Metacritic score at all. But that's I mean, thing. I, I rarely remember the Metacritic score was there yeah, when too. it was the only score. I mean, it's so far down there. But here's the thing. that The Metacritic score and, and maybe the third-party score should be there for people who are looking for that layer of depth. And, you know, like, they want to see early access, how the game is developing. But for the guy who's just going to land on the page and make a snap decision, right... The only thing that should matter to him is what do other people like him think of the game? And those people are served by this system better than the old system. IMO. All right. I think that's fair. I, I, I think ultimately, yes, you got to crack a couple eggs to make an omelet. So a couple, couple eggs got cracked. <laughs> you want to know an interesting observation? Hmm. Steam requires... Okay, so green light for these crap games that maybe buying reviews, maybe giving away keys for reviews. Mm. The, the, and we all know they're the crap games. Let's let's not make any... Bones like, about it. Yeah. So to get through Greenlight, they just have to scam enough positive yes clicks out of people because the no's don't count. But when it comes to reviews, the yes and no actually matter. It's an odd thing, isn't it? Green green light is a whole other you know can of no, but it's in interesting how they did it, isn't it? Yeah, just, I actually, just... Matt, I gotta agree with you. I hate. I actually, I rally against the whole dichotomy system. Like I like upvotes, downvotes, yes, no. I've always hated that. Um, so yeah, I don't. I never liked that at all because I think it leads to trolling and and emotional bashing. But and it's just um, too simple. You you can't like. You, well, you can't say, I love this game, but it has a ton of problems and you shouldn't play it <laughs> without, like, th that's that's not a yes or no thing. There, there's something more complex in there. Listen, you know Val, I mean? I, I'm going to I'm gonna fix Val's whole problem here, and then we can transition out to Bananas for a while. 
Listen, Val, you just call me up and you ask me, what do you want to give this game? And I'll tell you what score to put. <laughs> Big Gumble sells <laughs> this on the score. Get rid of the whole right user reviews. Big you Gumble's got you back. And I'll tell you. And I'll, we're gonna do it like we're gonna do it like row. Like baby. We're doing boom, thumbs boom, up, boom. thumbs down. That's it. No in between. Maybe one of these. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna fix this whole process. So I like it. <laughs> Big Gumble with the clean solution. But to uh, to transition us out, so I think we've we've covered the basis here. Mm -hmm. uh, I I'm gonna just gonna say I'm gonna put this out there because I think I'm the only one who's really been getting into it. I'm enjoying Legion. I didn't expect to at all. I've had some people ask me about it. I actually, some of my friends have been shocked to see I'm playing at all. Mm -hmm. um, I think it just it, it's kind of revitalized that same feeling I had when I first played Burning Crusade. And I think what what it comes down to is. Blizzard, they they made it into a whole narrative adventure, right? This, besides the zones being very pretty and um, the, the rhythm of the game being very fluid, you're, you never feel like you're lost. Uh, it, there's enough uh, vi variation in that old school questing system, enough set and cinematic sequences and enough familiar faces to make you to make you feel compelled to play. And I'm playing a demon hunter and the whole combat is tons of fun. So yeah, I'm pretty addicted. I'm only 105. I don't get much time to play like some other people. So uh, I'm slowly getting there, but really enjoying my time. And the musical score is amazing. So <laughs> uh, on a funny note, I don't know if this was brought up last week or this is something we said amongst ourselves, but uh, all those private vanilla servers have had big population oh, yeah. hits because a ton of people have left to go back to uh, Legion. And I want to point out, uh, hey, Blizz, where's Nostalrius? Guess no one gives a shit about that now that nope. Legion's a success. Uh, as I think I said months ago, we all said, uh, this, now that Legion's successful, you'll never hear about Nostalrius again. Except uh, for right put, here. Except for right here, because Blizzard's going to put that one. They shuffled that a long time ago. And, um, you know, that's unfortunate. And I figured if Legion bombed, they, they might talk about it. But, I mean, you know what? I, I actually was playing both for a while, Vanilla and Legion, and I am enjoying Legion more. Um, wow. I, I'm sure there are there are issues. And I think it's more about being new because I played vanilla so much. Um, so yeah, that's that's my Legion. Uh, uh, everyone has their own Legion journal on all these sites. That's my talk. That's my Legion journal. It's uh, fu Blizzard for Nostarius uh, for for not following through, but also a great job on Legion. What well, what what was the consensus that would happen to Nostarius? Did Blizzard just pay them off? Nothing. To, to I think that's, that's our consensus. But the last post I believe was May sixth on their forum. After their meeting, when Mark Kern weaseled his way in to, to say, hey, I'm here too. Um, I think uh, they had their meeting. They said, we're going to talk to you later. And then they didn't. Here's That's what happened at the meeting, ready? They made them play Legion. And be like, listen, this game is actually good. Uh, this whole thing's going to die down. <laughs> when, when Legion launches, all this vanilla talk's going to die down. So uh, just shh. Just shut right. up and we won't see you. <laughs> What's insane is if you look at like their latest Twitter post, Nostalgia's Begins, they're, they're trying to sell t-shirts now. They're selling Nostalgia's t-shirts. Who gets this money? Can I sell Nostalgia's t-shirts? Is this no, copyrighted? They're going to just take that money and just keep it, I guess. What is this? I'm telling you, they, they just... What, what, what's going on? They got pwned. That's what's going on. They got pwned by litigation. There's nothing even happening. I, I don't know. I, I still feel like... The Stalrys kind of betrayed their community because they specifically said they were going to release the source code because other people contributed to it. And then all of a sudden, Blizzard came and gave some hush money. And all of a sudden, they're not saying anything anymore. And they're just out of the scene. Nope. 
They faded quietly into the distance. They took that. They took that blood money from Blizzard. Right. Speaking you know, about quietly fading, guys. Guys, think of, uh, here's a good transition. Ready, guys? Ooh, Speaking yeah, of quietly, fading. quietly fading into the abyss. Yes, Chris Matson is retiring from Blizzard, and I think he's Whoa. going. He's going out on such a peak. Like this is a perfect. Oh time. yeah. Okay. Well, explain who he is. Okay, so this is the big head honcho. Uh, one of one of the big head honchos of Blizzard. He did a lot of the lore and story and like guidance. For... Wait, he was the voice of Thrall. Oh, is that is that is that the most important thing? He's the voice of Thrall, bro. No, That's he was a, he was a huge guiding hand for Warcraft. Co-creator um, of Diablo. Yeah, so he's a, he's an old hand at Blizzard through all their you know since like the old days of you know before way before a while. Design Soldier seventy six. Twenty three uh, years at Blizzard. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. My favorite guy. Yeah, he was. He's pretty much had his hands in every single Blizzard project. He's the guy that's always been at all the press conferences. He's the guy that um, he helped design all the lore. I mean, this guy. This is basically uh, the Homer at Blizzard. I mean, he wrote all their legends, and now he's done so. At forty one, he's retired. Um, but here's the thing. I want to talk about. Fun. Go ahead. I want to tell you when he just decided to retire. Legion just came out and it smashed everyone's expectation, right? And before 3. this, three million sales, day one. Yeah, and everyone thought well, I was going downhill from here, and boom, boy on top. Overwatch, boom. You know, it turned from uh, what was it? What was like the project name for the Titan? Titan. Titan. So, Titan was a disaster. Boom, they turned it to gold, right? With with Overwatch. He's the alchemist. Even Diablo three started off a little rocky. You know, people complaining about the cash shop, this that. Kind of kind of fixed smooth that over too. Hearthstone was a huge success. So this guy is going out at the peak where he, he turned so many disasters into success. I'm not saying it was just him, but like he's leaving it where, where Blizzard is as as high as it can get. I think like there's a, it's very hard to see how it can go. It can get better from here. Actually, that's an interesting question. And just so you guys know, he's not the only one that's left Blizzard. Um, let me get the article up. But uh, actually, uh, there's been a whole bunch of people leaving Blizzard uh, lately, in the last couple of years and recently. And I I think we can go ahead and just kind of speculate. Uh, Blizzard's got Overwatch. They've got uh, Legion now. We've heard of some type of IP filing for a new Diablo project or some hirings, but mm -hmm. what does Blizzard do next? Uh, my my prediction is we're not going to see all these. These are some pretty big figures. Actually, let me get the name of the guy uh, who also left the other day. The bonfire guy. Yeah. Uh, so besides that, I want, we should mention. I mean, again, three point three million copies sold day one in terms of how well Legion is doing. The peak concurrent users at launch week was the highest it's ever been since Cataclysm back in two thousand and ten. People are saying the game is dying, but all of a sudden the player base jumps to back to the 2010 peak. That's a, that's a six-year high. The game is by no means dead. The numbers clearly prove it. Yep, it's, it's still around. Oh yeah, it's killing it. So here's another here's another head honcho. All right, bonfire dude. Now he left in 2014, but well, he, if you look at the um, the about page for Bonfire Studio, mm -hmm. which um, I have right here, basically he took. He's got Min Kim, former head of Nexon North America, Nick Carpenter, the former Blizzard cinematic mastermind. He also got Matthew Versly, also from Blizzard, who was in charge. He was a technical director, so he basically was in charge of 100 or so people in the engineering department. So okay. these aren't small guys. Are you talking about Matthew Versus? He's the guy who made Battle.net, the original Battle.net. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he made Battle.net, so... Yeah. Blizzard's going mobile, baby. I'm predicting it right now. <laughs> going a lot of the hard. old hands are leaving Blizzard. I was yeah. just about to say that. All, all these people are leaving. Now they're going to go mobile. They see the writing on the wall. I really think that's what's going on here. When are we going to get a Clash of Clans style game, a Game of War style game with Warcraft characters? When is it going to happen? 
alliance versus horde you have like all these little bases you instead of like soldiers you just train grunts the soldiers from warcraft the game could be huge 2021 no i think we'll get much sooner i think i think two years two years we're gonna get a within two years we will get a, a warcraft themed mobile strategy game that plays like clash of clans or play or that plays like game of war those style games it's gonna happen I think Diablo's going to be first. I think Diablo's the franchise they're going to test some of these new waters with. And it, it may be something as simple as cross-platform play between mobile and PC. That is my prediction. You know what would really piss off the old StarCraft players, like StarCraft 1 players? Hmm. A new StarCraft strategy game coming soon to mobile. And it's like, it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those, you know, time games. Like, like you click the Nexus, you build the, you build like the, you know, cannon no, or whatever. No. You know, it would kill him. You know, you know what would piss me off the most? Hmm. Starcraft Ghost, the Connect Three. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, though. <laughs> yeah, the, the Ghost is dead. That franchise, there's no need to make a Ghost. It... Well, they brought uh, back the Nova things and uh, the Nova missions and Starcraft Two. No, it's called Starcraft Saga, right? Like you said, Candy Crush Saga, <laughs> Soda Saga. That Saga. No, I, I'm saga. talking one of those things like Pokemon Shuffle, where it's got the levels and you mm. just kind of go through them, and something happens and you match three the whole time. I do expect a match three, but not ghost. I think for match three, they're gonna do something like Hearthstone. Oh, I don't expect it. I said it would piss me off. Oh. <laughs> it's worth mentioning to Bonfire Studios. They raised twenty-five million dollars from venture capital firm Anderson Horowitz, pretty big name in Silicon Valley, and Riot Games. So they have some pretty well-known backers. Wow. So, I mean, Riot is clearly trying to diversify away from just League, and they've done. We've seen this happening. Not just went out with Bonfire Studios. We've seen it with that fighting game they acquired. What was it called? The company that makes that fighting game. The PC only fighting game. Oh, yeah. They, bought, they uh, bought that. They had two games in development. They shut one down, and who knows what they're doing now. But anyway, the point is that Riot is trying to diversify their games away from just just uh, League of Legends. So when are so they gonna Riot. when are they gonna actually add the S to games? Rising Thunder. Yeah, right. It's still Riot game right now. Riot game. There was actually an interview with uh, Polygon, and it's funny. Uh, one of the co-creators of League at Riot, I think it was Matt. Matt's his name, I think, but. He said we're look we're trying to put the S in Riot games. Apparently they've had a whole bunch of projects in development and R and D. It's Rise of Trinity. Mark Merrill. Mark and, uh, Merrill. I think that was it was Mark. And actually I we often joked I think I've joked about them making a strategy card game. I didn't realize this in twenty thirteen there was a leak where they had worked on a strategy card game but abandoned it. Really? I'm still saying they make one eventually. I don't but see yeah. why not. They got the characters, the lore. Speaking of which, Lee just celebrated 10 years and uh, a concurrent 100 million players per is month. Per month. That's not concurrent, bro. Yeah, it's not concurrent. That's yeah, the... no, per month is what I meant. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Over the course of 30 days, if you've made it one day, it would be concurrent as 100 million. <laughs> See what so I did there? 100 million is ginormous. I mean, they're still the big dog. I know people were saying League is on the decline. The thing is, people always say games are on the decline when they stop playing it, right? That's so like, true. Mm-hmm. There's all, Everyone that's saying WoW is dead is because they stopped playing it, right? And if you <laughs> stop playing it, it must be dead. I'm the center of the universe, obviously. But it, it's remarkable how it's like, how, in League, too, like, I stop, I, I don't play as much League, right? But I feel like now I've gotten some wisdom, I can look at the data and say very clearly it's not dead. But everyone I talk to, like, on Reddit, I see on Reddit, they're all saying League is dead. All these guys that played a shit ton in season one, two, three, and four who just stopped playing now, they're all saying it's dead. But you look at their actual oh, player base numbers, 100 million players logging in each month. They're an all-time high. Look at their revenue. All-time highs. Super Data released some data earlier that showed they were like $150 million a month. 
Like, that's the peak revenue they've ever made. You can't say League is dead when they're still on top on every metric and still growing. 170th of the world's population. Yeah, 170th. That's insane. That means only one person in our chat right now plays League. Okay, that's not so much. I think, I think, I think, well, that, keep on, that's, that, that one seventy is counting all the Indian farmers, the Chinese peasants, you know, the people, the peasants. The, <laughs> are there still peasants in the world? They're still, they're still peasants they're in the world. Still be peasants. Gumby uh, is the, is the, Gumby is a good example of a peasant. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> that's insane. The game is making so much money. There was a, they, they did a look back 10 years and hopefully there will be a second game in the right games portfolio eventually. We are I know, like, crime, right? I don't. I don't want to talk smack, but she was also said. She was also very salty about league. She says the game sucks now. It's that everyone says when they stop playing a game, all of a sudden it's like the worst thing in the world. Yep. Pretty yep. silly to to look back at. Yeah, they're making they're making that moolah. I played league last night actually for the first time in a while. How'd that go? We we won two. We lost one. I was trying. I was playing with some of the some of the boys on uh, MMO's Discord. We had like a four man party. We four man queued. I was on a Smurf. Couldn't carry that last game though. Rip my <coughs> three teammates. Kidding. Always, always. Because uh, at least at least two of our teammates are watching right now. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> League of Fighters. Well, what, what is this? Oh, it's a fan-made game. It's a fan-made oh. game. Oh, it's not. It's not quite. I, I wonder. I'm sure there's uh, Lee characters in that in that Megan thing, right? Mm -hmm. I want to show you um, another game that I've been playing this last week. We talked about League, you know, so we can bring up my uh, my favorite game here. Short mention. We I think I did play this. Did a first look for it. Called Heroes Evolved. I mean, they clearly see the writing on the wall that League is popular, and they want to copy League. So I, I played this for my first look video. I played two games on stream as well. And I found Singed. They copied Singed as well. So not, if you skip ahead to like two minutes, you'll see the minions. It's very obviously a Lee clone. But then I landed against somebody and like, holy shit, that's Singed. And it's called Dr. Mad with two Ds. I honestly can't tell the difference between this and Lee. Because I don't play Come League on. I, it's, it copies the art style, obviously. Yeah, but like, it's not the same game. Wow, what? At what point? No, at the I'm at 250, right? Okay. And from this, if you, if you take a screenshot and, and show this to me, I'd say, oh, it's League of Legends. Yeah, but yeah I would say the play, same but thing. But if you actually yeah. look at the game, remember. I'm looking. Glance, what am I seeing? You don't play League, that's why. If you play exactly, League, that's you what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. If you don't play League at first glance, it's I play over 100 game. games of League. And I, I, I don't play League, and I still know what it looks like. No, and that no, it's not League. Literally, it copies so much of the but, game. From the interface, look at the top right. Look at the, the kills, deaths. Those are exact copies. The yeah, like the map is, like is exact in the same location. Um... But I still know that that's not League, is what I was saying. But I, if you don't play League a lot, I do accept the fact that you'll realize that you can confuse the two. I mean, but anyway, I played two rounds of this on stream. Dr. Mad, he's got a poison move. His ultimate is the same as Sins, but he's got range. The funniest thing, though, here is the game is so obviously like incomplete that when you get like a kill or a double kill, something will come across the middle of the screen, right? And instead of saying double kill, it'll say hello world. They that's awesome. They literally forgot to change the default text because anytime that's you're awesome. dealing with web development, uh, these developers will put the word "hello world" in there to show that it's working. You know, there's some, there's some filler text over there, and developers the company is supposed to change that to whatever they want it to be. But you see the "hello world" appear all the time in the game in like the stupidest spots. It's obvious they didn't take three seconds to fix this. But otherwise, the game is pretty duke, pretty imbalanced. 
I, it's very some heroes are awful. Other heroes are unbelievably strong. Ain't but easy yeah. to balance. Game's not easy to balance. They have 52, 51 heroes. You, it's hard to but when you you have to really appreciate what games like Dota and League have achieved. I mean, people bitch about balance in these games, but when you're dealing with a hundred plus heroes and constantly evolving items and the meta change, it's remarkable how they remain generally pretty balanced. Both games have a meta. Certain heroes are played more than others. Obviously, a lot more than others, but it's generally fairly balanced. And this game is nowhere near fairly balanced. Not even close. <laughs> you have a Perfect. three second move that dodges. Like a fucking mile, you get like an anti-mage blink on a on a carry, which is insane. It makes no kind of sense. Man, that's that's. I played a little bit of Heroes Evolved this week, so that was my this and Overwatch and a little bit of F fourteen was my week. It's a All discount. Right. That was quite the interlude. Well, but you, anyone, you brought it back full circle, though. If no, yeah. if anyone, if no one else has any uh, interesting topics, I want to talk a little about an upcoming game. Uh, is this that segment? Is this everyone's favorite segment? This is the segment. Are you gonna hype us up? I, I I don't know if I like the name hype up. I want to discuss. How about that? Can we can we discuss? Right, discuss. That's, that's discuss. We'll, we'll leave it for discuss for now. All right. So Oof. a game I've been looking into this week uh, is Camelot Unchained. And oh, what is that? This is a upcoming RVR only MMORPG in development by Realm versus Realm for those that don't yes, know. Yes, basically group PvP, big group PvP. This game is brought to you by City State Entertainment. And the big name behind it is Mr. Jacobs here. And he's well known for Dark Age of Camelot, Mark Jacobs. The thing about this game, it's basically, it's basically Dark Age of Camelot 2.0, right? It's got the same like uh, British Isles theme where, you know, three factions are Albion. It's even more obvious here. So before it was called Albion, Midgard, and Hibernia were the three factions. Basically Ireland... Uh, England and uh, the the Vikings, Scandinavians, right? Mm. This time it's the Arthenians, the Vikings, so not even Midgard, just Vikings. <laughs> and this time the Hibernians have a weird name, Tuatha de Danann. Not a not, not a fan of that name. You got to call them elves or something. No, it's too hard to. Yeah, it doesn't roll the tongue. It doesn't roll the tongue. A few interesting things about this game: PvP only, basically. You will not get experience from killing mobs. Wow. Some dungeon areas you can fight over have mobs, but they're there to mostly just be cleared. Like they're they're a nuisance, right? They're, they're not like a key. Uh, it's almost like the jungle, I guess, in a league, but it doesn't give you any gold or anything. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just it's just there to train the enemy team into, you know, so they, they just die to them. So wait, then how important are levels and yeah. gear? Okay, it, it, it stresses in their little development cycle that they're gonna have horizontal progression. And this oh is my a, god, every game says that. I was going to say, term. it's easier said than done. So, But what this basically means is, if you've been playing for a week, you could theoretically beat someone who's been playing for years, right? If you just if you play better than them. And the way this works is, you instead of unlocking better versions of your skills, you unlock a, a more degree of skills. And how you mix and match them is going to determine if you win the fight. Not necessarily, because it won't be like your fireball is level 5 and his fireball is level 1. You just do like 10,000 more damage than him. It'll be like, if you played more, maybe he'll have like 10 spells, you'll have like 8. But you can still use him better and beat him, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. uh, another interesting feature. One good thing they've been doing is they've been very open with their development. Like, they have these like these like pre-alpha builds you can see. It doesn't look great, a lot of the graphics and art. But the fact that they're really open with development. Uh, I do think this game will, will ship. Like within a year or two like i these, these people seem competent enough to actually get a product out there so that's mm-hmm. that's a big plus um a few things that i think they're doing wrong uh, 
and this is in comparison to Dark Age of Camelot. Dark Age of Camelot, uh, my brother and I played it a lot. It was one of the first MMORPGs. It w was released after 18 months in development in, back in 2001, it was released. So it took them 18 months to make, and it cost $2.5 million only. So compare that to games today that cost $100 million, and they don't, they don't come out yet, like Star Citizen. That is insane. They, they were able to ship a game as massive as Dark Age of Camelot, which had like 30 classes, like 20 races, this giant world, realm versus realm PvP, with a budget of how much did you say? 2.5 million? 2.5 million. Uh, and Camelot Chain is not far off. It's it's only raised 4.2 so far, and they're already at the stretch goal point. So they're not um, they're not like possible they're not breaking games? the bank here. Yeah, it's um, almost insane that you look at it today. We've had games that cost hundreds of millions. Uh, Firefall, for example, was an example of a, a boondoggle that cost over 100 million dollars, and they ship that game. And we have Star Citizen over 200 million. Uh, Star Wars: The Republic costs like 200 million as well. H how is it that games today can't ship the way that old games can? You think with better technology, with better engines, with better systems in place, where you can like, you're not working from scratch, you're working <laughs> with these engines, that you can't get a game out quicker and cheaper today. It seems like games have gotten yeah. so much more expensive to make. And I, I want to touch on that a little after um, I uh, give more uh, spiel on this game. So a lot of the same Dayok features are here. The three factions each have ten different classes, but the classes are somewhat similar from class to, from faction to faction. Like for example, the Arthenian healer class is called physician, uh, whereas the one on the Viking side is going to have like a different name, but pretty much serves a, a stone healer. Okay, so both totally healers. different. Yeah. So yeah, they do have thirty classes, that, which are slight variations, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So one thing I think they're doing right is they're still on a tight budget, you know, 4.2, and they're already in the stretch goal section. So the game is being developed. The budget is relatively small. It's, it's getting done. One issue I have or I'm skeptical about is Dagarch Camelot used Gamebryo as their engine. You guys are familiar with Gamebryo. Like, a lot mm -hmm. of free-to-play games use it, actually. Yeah, whereas Camelot Unchained is doing a custom engine, in-house engine. And oh, that's rough. There's good reasons why they're doing it, right? Because they, they want Netcode to handle... Oh, a thousand players on a small battlefield, which is uh, difficult to do. They want to. They're also adding this whole uh, player-made asset feature, which I think too many games are doing these days. Yeah, it, it ends up becoming. I mean, just as a side note, to me, sometimes when it's overdone, it looks sloppy. Yeah, and it's a lot of work. Like in this game, basically, you're going to be able to make your own castle in the cube. It's called Camelot Unchained. Some building edition. And then you can import those assets to your land, which you claimed uh, in the game world. Uh, and you can plop it there, I guess. Uh, which is another good feature. It's an RVR game. Uh, guilds and clans and realms are going to have your own castles, your own land that you hold. Enemy factions has to invade the land and take <laughs> it from you. It's one big persistent world. There's no zoning. That's pretty cool. I like cool. that. I, I like that for an MMO. I feel like too yeah. many games, again, have, have went back to this small segmented areas that every time a game does a massive area... It just feels like an MMO again. Uh, so, I, I, I'm looking at the building that's up right now, and I hope they improve it just a little bit because it just doesn't look like it fits. There's a lot of flat, there's a lot of flat shading. Like almost. The, one, another complaint I have in general about this game is a lot of the assets, uh, like a lot of the graphics, just don't look good. Like They sacrifice visuals, I think, for um, being able to handle hundreds of players in a small battlefield and they, but they've said though they're going to up the rendering quality like they're going to up the quality of the graphics once they get the game figured out but how much better will they get from here will they get twice as good 
Oh, we're good. I thought graphics didn't matter. That's the thing. It's not a matter I of good or bad matter. graphics. It's when you go for this realistic look, which you're going for, right? Mm-hmm. They don't hold up as well. It's like a cartoony look, like League, uh, like League, even League and uh, World of Warcraft. So I think the the style they went for uh, is going to make the graphics <laughs> look more aged than than it had to. Yeah, still so okay. is still popular. All these old games that have realistic graphics still generally they can hold up. If the gameplay is fun, I'm not worried about the visuals. More importantly to me than the graphic style, those animations are awful and movement looks awkward. Like, That's the thing. Look at the it's way not, you move it's not just that, about that yeah. kills me yeah. so much. Okay, now I'm done. Oh well, <laughs> that brings me to uh, one of their more recent uh, stretch goals was actually to hire an outside uh, contractors to add additional emotes, dances, taunts, and that kind of nonsense to uh, the characters. I know my brother's a big fan of that. I, I, whenever I watch him playing Final Fantasy, he's just sitting there staring at his character yeah, dancing, blowing <laughs> kisses, saluting, waving. You know. To me, it's 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 cute if it's there, whatever, right? But if it's, not, I I don't look for it or or particular. In a game like this, where it clearly seems PVP realm versus realm driven, I don't think it's important. All right, you're playing this for the massive realm versus realm. It's almost like, like when I, the concept of of this, because it doesn't need really any PVE. It's all PVP. It almost seems like they're trying to recreate this FPS mobile experience within an MMORPG where it's competitive. It's that style of gameplay. Because here's the thing, I typically think. The whole package deal with the crafting, with the PVE, with the PVP, everything. Here, they're very clearly focusing on one facet of the game. And hopefully, they're going to make that facet awesome enough to keep us coming back. Here's my issue with it, though. If it's horizontal progression, what happens, like... There is... Okay, there's going to be, like, territorial wars, right? Yes, yes. Okay, well... I just see this becoming planet-side. Over time, I've actually read a lot of people compared it to like a medieval planet side. And I just, I mean, I don't know that it's going to hold up in the long term. It's here's a problem, and uh, let me let me uh, quickly end my little spiel here first. Ninety nine percent of in game items player crafted, dedicated crafting class. Yeah. What I like about the project, he's focused. He has his budget four million or so. He's going to ship a product which he. Basically, he made it narrow enough that it's doable. There's no feature creep, right? You're going to get an RVR, no PV or limited PVE game that where you just fight as clans, right? But here's my problem. Is that enough? Is this, an MMR, is this still an MMORPG? In my opinion, an MMORPG is like a sandwich, right? You need PVP. PVP is like the meat, right, in the sandwich. But if you have just the meat and no bread, it's not a, it's not a sandwich anymore. So when I played Dark Age of Camelot, right, the PvP was awesome. I remember the PvP. I remember the battles I had. But I also remember leveling. I remember, you know, being in a small group and killing, you know, beating those dungeons, you know, doing the dun- camping those dungeons. I remember that stuff. Like, I remember the giants walking around, the monsters walking around. That that was just as important to me as, as the PvP. You, you, they kind of complement each other. Because I feel like I'm fighting in this world that has context and layer outside fighting. If it's just a frag fest, right, which is... Which is kind of what this is—a frag fest, like a, a never-ending frag fest, like planet side. Is there enough context? Is there enough lore? Is there enough meaning to really hold people? Like, what what's the point of going after that third castle? Like, it, it, it has to feel like a world that I'm fighting in. So and that's true. It might be hard to build that into a game with no PVE. Well, I, I think it's an MMORPG. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, the potential for roleplay is there. You've got a dedicated crafter class. You've got some sort of progression, even if I don't like the way it sounds. Um, 
it's definitely an MMORPG, but whether or not it's actually going to encourage you to do any, or, or even immerse you, you know what I mean? I, I immerse, don't know yet. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. I mean, not all add MMOs. Add emotes. Add emotes. I'll be totally immersed with the emotes, all right? Yeah. Actually, just sure. to counter, uh, I mean, it's not exactly a one-to-one -one comparison, but games like Rust and uh, whatnot, they're totally predicated on just pure PvP and then crafting your castle and protecting it from other players at one basic level. Yeah. And they do just fine, so... Yeah, you're right. I, I, they I don't do. doubt yeah. the success of Camelot Unchained in that respect. Mm -hmm. But remember, Rust is uh, bands are between two to let's say ten, right? Where this yeah. game is go is going for like literally like a thousand versus a thousand versus a thousand. Right. Three factions. <laughs> okay, but like look uh, at the, look at this, uh, what's it called? Look at the stream right now. Like they they're testing you know literally thousands of players on the map. Yeah, but Sean, there's a difference between this, which is more like medieval planet side, and a game more like Rust. You know, I get that. I, I meant in a general yeah. abstract sense. I didn't mean a direct one-to-one. -one. A game without PvE can still feel like, you know, pretty immersive and keep you coming back. No, it can. I'm just yeah. not sure this can. I'm optimistic because, again, the guy... I have a lot of respect for Dark Age of Camelot as a game. And the Realm vs. Realm at the time was revolutionary. And they're taking that really interesting element of Dark Age of Camelot and trying to build a whole game around specifically that. If they pull it off well, I mean, it, it all comes down to execution, if it's fun or not. And... Only way to find out is to play it yourself. You know, no amount of videos I think is gonna really give you the sensation if you're gonna like it or not. You gotta play it yourself. And I'm I curious, wanna... are there any resources in this game? Yeah, yes, that's a big. The only reason to hold land is it that's generates resources for you. Okay. Right. So, right. And, and with those resources, your crafters in your realm, right? They gotta craft you gear, because like I said, 99% of gear and items in the game are crafted. So it's basically a perpetual war for resources, which then go to your crafters, and then they craft stuff for everyone else in the, in the realm. And another big thing I didn't mention is, since there's no regular, you know, mobs to kill for for experience, the way it's going to work is, at the end of the day, everyone is going to get experience, like progression points or whatever, uh, based on how well their realm did that day, and their individual contribution. So like the guy, the star who like took the mines by himself might get like, two thousand experience, where the crafter who you know crafted all day will get like a thousand experience. Or a regular fighter might get like 500 or something. All right, interesting. A different way so, of being experience progression. And that's been compared to like old D and D campaigns, where at the end of the day, at the end of the session, the, the DM oh, yeah. the DM gives out doles out experience, right? Mm -hmm. So at, at the end of the day, your realm versus realm uh, report will basically dole up rewards based on how everyone did that day. It's it's a cool concept. I mean, the one thing I like the most that I really like in a lot of games is the huge variety of classes. We saw that, you know. They, they boasted like over 30 classes, right? And I think over 20, minimum of 30 classes, minimum of 20 races. And that, what I liked about Target to Camelot was that sheer variety of classes. I know Alta and I have went back to Dayak a few times. We, we actually rolled so many character classes because we wanted to try a little bit of everything that it was fun to try out all these classes. And I know somebody made a joke in the, 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 this, the Twitch chat, and I got to read it out loud. It's a stone healer. Uh, you throw rocks at your friends and tell them to stop being pussies. <laughs> That's actually, what, that's actually what Stone Healer does. They literally... So one of the things they want in this game is to have active healing, which a lot of games do now, like Wildstar has it too, where mm -hmm. you have to aim the cone. So Stone Healer literally throws rocks at his teammates to heal. <laughs> They're like runes or something. I don't know. Uh, also, so another... Th again, I got to go back to this. The total raised, 4.2. The game is progressing. Uh, this is one of those games where, well, I'm not going to buy a Founder's Pack... Uh, this is one of those games where if you do buy one, 
I'm pretty sure the game will actually come out. So, like, I wouldn't hesitate on that point. Unfortunately, we talked a lot about Kickstarters. At least if a, if a big name is behind the game, odds are you'll at least get a product. So I'm always comfortable funding people with experience. Not just experience. He's, his experience shows that he's realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think That's it's refreshing. A, I don't think it, it's a good idea to cut PvE because I love the PvE in Day Off, right? But the mm-hmm. fact that he said, listen, I want to ship the game. I want, this is what I want to do. And PvE is going to be a distraction. So I'm not going to do it. Like how, most of the time, what you hear these big guys say is, "We're gonna plop everything in there, you know, throw everything in the kitchen sink, you know." Everything will be amazing. Well, the best PvE. Yeah, we'll and that's the why they don't PvP. come out. Yeah. Like, oh, alert. Like, <laughs> Star Citizen is like we're gonna have a, we're gonna have like a pe- we're gonna have a single player campaign. We're gonna have like you know the ship combat, land combat, like everything. Calm you know? down. <laughs> um, now here's the bad part. Here's the bad part. The game will be a subscription. Oof. Okay. That's not no. That's not the bad part. That part's that's okay. That's bad. The bad, bad part, I think, is this is Mark Jacobs' attitude around uh, uh, free to play. He hates play to, free to play, and there's a lot of bad free to play out there. So it's it's understandable. But you can't write the whole thing off. Here's what he here's what he said. He'd rather shut the game down than ever go free to play. Wow. Yeah. At least he's passionate. You know? he, he, said, really, he, he really hates. hates yeah. He says free to play cheapens the industry, and here's a nice quote by him. I think when we're when we devalue our contributions to society to the point of saying your sweat equity, the amount of time and energy your team put into a game is not worth paying for. And what kind of message are we sending? And then his, it goes on. Can you imagine going to a restaurant and saying, wow, that was delicious dinner, but you know what? I don't feel like paying for it. So why don't you charge the guy next to me twice? That's not right. <laughs> it's so, not the same thing though. <laughs> exactly. Like, like League of Legends are free to play, and I'm sure all the developers there are being handsomely rewarded, right? And they, they feel are. Like, they're making, and they're they're making, making a meaningful killing. contribution to society. So to mm-hmm. say a free-to-play game is not valued because it's free, you know, that doesn't mean what he thinks it means. I think you get away. You, know, you buy to play is still you know very much accepted model, but saying a subscription based, I don't think, I think that model is dead. I think the newest game that got away with it was going to be FF14 because it's Final Fantasy. It's not a big, big budget game. I don't see. Maybe he'll maybe he'll make it buy to play later, and then because he can still justify his model, you know. Yeah, he didn't have buy a problem to with buy to play. Yeah, I think it'll work as buy to play. But it, for him to write off the whole model like that is really seems kind of silly. I think he's showing his age. Um, it can be done poorly, which we've seen a lot, mm-hmm. but it doesn't write off the whole idea. I, you That's know. fair. Yeah. So any mm-hmm. any questions on Camelot on chain? Here's the here the tiers, by the way. The top tier is I am forever, uh, four hundred twenty five bucks. You get the unlimited subscription, you know, lifetime sub. Uh, you get a whole bunch of like little crafting shit you can build stuff with in the cube version and then import later. So there it is. Two dollars. It's a realistic store. It, the most expensive item is only how much? Four twenty. Four twenty-five. I don't say only four twenty. Four twenty-five is a lot. Of lot. No, but the problem is when you compare it to all these other like early acts. These games are like coming. They're always they've been like coming soon for a while. You know, Star Citizen and Chronicles of Valyria. You can spend like thousands of dollars on these games. You know, they're they're selling ten thousand dollars spaceships, fifty thousand dollars spaceships in Star Citizen. You know, like yeah, you want to yeah. buy the. Isn't that sad? That that's what it's come down to. Four twenty-five yeah. is the new yeah. the new low price, the new low ball, low ball price. <laughs> they're not yeah. uh, selling you a game though. They're selling you an experience. Wow. <laughs> For $15,000, a blowjob better be included. 
And like, see, like once a day for the next year. Part of that experience is buying a digital spaceship that is just a picture when you buy it and waiting it out. But yeah, it's, it's not just Star Citizen. Other games have like these insane, like high-end packages too, over like thousands of dollars. So see, when I meant only, I was surprised because a lot of these games, because this is a game I've heard about for a long time, at least like three, four years. So these games typically I thought had higher, you know, purchase prices on the highest end stuff. So it is refreshing. Yeah. And another quick point on um, City State or whatever uh, studios, mm-hmm. City State Entertainment is. They seem pretty professional. Uh, when they do like their little streaming or events, they're talking about the development of the game. And I contrast that to um, Shard of the Avatar, where they literally have like these PBS style, you know, fundraisers. And all they're literally doing is pimping for money, right? Yeah. That's, I don't get the same vibe from the Camelon Chain. So that's, that's, that's welcome refreshing. They're serious. They're professional. Tell me I can't buy his rat tail? Yeah, no. Mark Jacobs is not selling his blood on on like live stream <laughs> to raise extra just, money I for his... I still can't believe they did a telethon for themselves. Insane. Literally insane. The worst part is again, that guy's a multi, multi-millionaire. Like he's got a hundred million dollars and he's begging for money. Come on. This again with Shroud Avatar. So we don't talk about it. The same <laughs> could be said about someone else's campaign. Cough, cough. <laughs> Guys, talking about, I mean, uh, are we, uh, I, 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 wait, uh, uh, is everybody looking for? Is anybody looking forward to playing? Uh, Camelot Chain. Okay, Camelot Chain yeah. was the first game on Kickstarter that I was interested in. I didn't, I didn't give money because I, I never give money on Kickstarter. But I clicked like a little. Fo- I think I, I think I dragged the URL to my bookmarks. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kickstarter originally came out back in 2013, so it's been three years now, a little over three years, and it really shows you. Here's my, here's my issue with the whole MRPG genre. The cost of development of, of video games in general has gone up so much, right? The cost of developers, the cost of artists, the cost of, you know, all this stuff. It's so hard to make, like, a budget, a reasonable budget game these days. Um, so that's, I think that's what Camelon Chain is suffering from. But this the game is... They're going yeah. to ship out a product with $4.5 million. It's still, at this point, pretty impressive. Making an MO yeah. at $4 million yeah. is still pretty impressive. Yeah, this is a, this is a definitely uh... compared to some of the some of the other funding campaigns we've seen. And you know what? Um, again, like Aaron, you said yourself. At least Kellan and Chain, they have realistic expectations. Oh, super! So one of the so things... I'm confident. Actually, yeah. that, that alone makes me want to play the game. <laughs> the fact that they have a set a set parameter for what they want to accomplish. That when you told me that, then I said then I said to myself, okay, I want to play this now. Actually, Just actually, it's better. Reason. They asked him like, just, what uh... what does success look like for you, and he said like eighty thousand subs. So he's not aiming for the moon here. Like, it's a very realistic title. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not hyped for it right now. I mean, I just, I don't see the longevity for me at least. And the animations drive me insane. It's, it's just one of those things that would wear on me to the point that I couldn't play it. I mean, that's a good point. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. And it no, doesn't mean. And, and, pretty... and like I said, graphics are one thing, but the way everything moves around is very important to me. And that's why, like, Omer calls things like Legend of Ares Duke and Old Duke, but you know what I mean? It's. Mm-hmm. I looked at the video that Omer did of it, and even though the gameplay might not be great, I was sitting there like, damn, those are some smooth animations. <laughs> I mean, like, they look nice compared to a lot of MMOs. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's not a matter of like polygon count because yeah, I don't think graphics matter in MRPGs. For example, Maple Story looks like pretty, like your eye. It's not jarring. A lot of what I see here is just jarring to the eye. Yeah, and whether that gets fixed or not, um, by release, I don't know. Like they say, they're doing it on purpose to keep like the to keep it like um, during testing to keep things you know running on older computers. I don't know, but it it's just it can't look ugly. It's got to look at least like pretty and smooth. It's just um, it's that's the same thing that Shroud of the Avatar said, and they made more money and look where they are now, and they still have placeholder assets. Yeah. That's true. I mean, at least Star Citizen is spending all their money on making the game really pretty. <laughs> and stupid shit like sliding doors. Yes, for whatever reason. <laughs> and, to and toilets. You know, like toilets. Airpl Airplane 2 or whatever it is, you gotta have the whoosh. whoosh. <laughs> Guys, uh, well, I want to say I am looking forward to trying it. I'm not excited about the business model. Uh, if it comes out a subscription, uh, my enthusiasm will be dampened. But I do want to give the game a try only because I did like after I played my order of MRPGs was <laughs> Ultima Online, EverQuest, The Dark Age of Camelot. Those games I played a shit ton because I was younger. Every day I'd play, I had a lot more time. So for that reason alone, I am looking forward to participating in some RVR, PvP, and Camelot Chain when it comes out. Uh, just, and, yeah. Omer, you make a good point with the subscription. I think if uh, I never played the first Planet Side except mm -hmm. for like free trials, I was never going to pay for that. Like there was yeah, just yeah. no way that that was ever going to have any money value for me. Yeah, that's exactly. why I played a lot of Planet Side too, but it was because it was free. And I mean, I can pay a buy to play fee for like, um, a game like Planet Side because it's just like a shooter. It's like you pay once and you can play as much as you want. You jump in and you have your little meat grinder sessions. You come out with however many kills and it's over. But um, I I can't do a subscription for that. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I mean, a lot of people just don't. That that's a hurdle that a lot of people won't be able to get over. Especially now that subscriptions become more and more like, you know, less mainstream. The only games, the only few games that really get away with having a subscription today, because of you know how popular buy to buy to play and free to play have gotten. This is quite the interesting GIF. It has me a little bit mesmerized because of just the exact clips that they chose. The one on stream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh another random tidbit. They spent a lot. Of, like I said, they built a custom engine, and they put a lot of emphasis on physics. Now, how important physics is, I don't. To me, it's like a background thing. It's something I think about. Like, wow, that was a really like that. The way that, that the way my character like fumbled and rolled, it's, it's really cool. But um, for example, if you cast a fireball and the enemy casts like a water spell, they could. They're all everything is a projectile, right? The spells are projectiles. They could hit each other midair and then fizzle each other out to the steam. That's cool. I like that. It sounds cool, and like, but like, in the heated combat when it's like fifty versus fifty, like, how much is that gonna matter? It's going to be like, okay, everyone target that guy. And then 50 fireballs just fly at him, right? And then, okay, everyone, like, it's not going to matter. Like, it's, it's going to, like, just be such background stuff. But who knows? We'll see. Um, you want to talk development costs? Uh, again, they're doing a lot with this. They're, they're stretching their $4 million. And we've seen development costs spike. We have a game like Allods Online. It's a, it was the most expensive Russian game, video game ever developed, right? It was only $12 million. So this actually makes me really appreciate what the Russians and the Chinese and Koreans get done. They ship their games, you know. Like when I think of Western game development, you have you know a few premier studios. They they pu they push out games. They can make it happen, and they have all this pool of upcoming early access, uh, forever games that just take forever to release, and some never come out. But at least in Asia, these games get boom, boom, boom. They come out, you know. Like you may not like the games, they may be Duke, but at least they happen, you know. Yeah. All right. Discipline. 
We lack the discipline. That's what it comes exactly. down to. Exactly. All right. Well, that is uh, Kemon Unchained. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll play it when it comes out. At least try it, just because it's... I mean, I doubt people are going to be thinking like me, though. Like, I can't imagine there's that many nostalgic players from Dark Age of Camelot. They're just itching to play in the MMR. They want to give it a try. So, Oh, yeah. physics. I was going to cover that. Um, is it, Am I thinking of the right one, or is it Crowfall that had the physics tests with the ballistic? Crowfall. The I mean, this, game, this game is pretty comparable to Crowfall, which is also going for that whole... Like, large-scale PvP on PvP with limited emphasis on uh, hmm. PvE. Yes. Uh, so they're taking different approaches to it. Because this is this is not instance at all. Whereas Crowfall, is, each world is kind of instance, right? So it's kind of a different approach. And it's also got cartoon graphics on Unity. Which I think is easier to develop for than building from scratch. So I think these two games, and they're both by Western Studios. So I think there'll be a big competition between the two. And we'll see where where things end up. <laughs> is there an, uh, an estimated release date? What do we got to wait? 2017? 2017 is, the, 2017. is what I saw. Right. Oh, there it is, boys. There it is. In terms of games coming soon again, I want to sneak this one in. We had an article on uh, Dark and Light, which is launching its teaser site and early access in this fall. So this is a game that uh, we actually covered recently. It was first announced as China Joy back in August, all right? August 1st or so. So they went from a game that I saw the trailer for. I'm like, all right, this game seems kind of cool, sandboxy, right? And they were very vague about it, right? Because it wasn't out yet. And I, I had this mentality that, oh, it's probably not going to come out for like another year and a half, two years. Cause it's freaking, you know, we just heard about it. But it's a Chinese game, right? So all of a sudden, they're launching a Western early access on Steam playable this fall, before the end of the year. Yeah, this is one of the quickest announcements to launches we've seen. Isn't that insane how quickly they go from announcement to playable? Well, uh, there have been, they've been rumors of them working on it for years now. I mean, it, it's been there in the background. It's just amazing to go from, from announcement to launch that quickly, at least early access launch that quickly. I, but I wonder what state the game will be in when it launches on early access. Is, is Snail Games just thinking, oh, look how dumb they are. They're just going to buy this because it's not even complete. Let's just it's got dinosaurs. Well, I mean, it was a complete game, so I imagine that they basically rebuilt it. It was complete, all right? It was 2004 game being rebuilt in 2016. It'll be a whole nother... I think it'll be, it'll be different. Snail yeah. games, despite their name, they don't develop at a snail pace, all right? Horrible. <laughs> 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 and again, I wanted to... The buy-to-play model, it's a buy-to-play game. The only reason this is buy-to-play is because these guys saw Black Desert Online make all that money with the buy-to-play model. Mm -hmm. And they're like, holy shit, we got to get on this. And because of that, we're going to see more buy-to-play Asian games, whether Korean or Chinese, trying to take advantage of the buy-to-play model because they'll just make it free-to-play later anyway or just do all the stuff they wanted to do with the cash shop regardless. But they I want to make point it out, uh, Snail Games is responsible for the wonderful, beautiful, influential, and inspiring Black Gold Online, which I completely Boy. forgot about until now. So you're going to have high hopes for, for uh, uh, Dark and Light. <laughs> oh, if you haven't boy. seen Gumble's Grumble video on uh, Black Gold Online, check it out. It's gold. I, I struck Black Gold and never again. So is that game about oil? I didn't figure that out. It's steampunk. It's about it. It's a broken steampunk game. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me Snail Games releases games really quick but shittily? Nah. No, never. It's not them. They're also behind uh, my favorite game, that dancing game. What was it called? Touch like, Online? No, not Touch Online. Five no. Street? Five Street. Yeah, my, 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 my game. That's my jam. <laughs> Five Street, yo. Quality, quality game. Dark well, game I guess this we are currently in our interesting shit of the week portion of the podcast. 
Um, so we can rattle through some things here. We actually just covered Dark and the Light, but more interesting, I thought, was that Titanfall. You guys remember Titanfall? I think it, yeah, was, I it was on Xbox and PC. Uh, this link game. is wrong. What was that? It's an EA game, isn't it? Yeah. It is a... Yeah, it's EA. Respawn Entertainment, to be specific. Well, they're getting a card game. They're getting a card game, which is which is mind-boggling. And it just shows you that everybody gets a card game, is what it comes down to. They're getting a card game. I believe it's coming out sometime this fall. Let me see. Let me get the... The hype for card games now is insane. Okay, oh, we, have like Faria. Faria. we have games like We have RuneScape Chronicle, RuneScape Legends. We have the Elder Scrolls Legends. Like, oh, there's so many. Like, everyone and their dog is making a card game now. Just because I, I, I thought like it would slow down because after Hearthstone we had games like Hex. We had games like there was a few games that came out right like right after Hearthstone to jump on that bandwagon. But there are so many big brands just embracing card games now. It's insane. It's, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. And it's weird, though, because this isn't even conducive to a card game. Like, the Elder Scrolls makes sense. Hearthstone makes sense. And you can imagine the card game in this world. But this is, Titanfall this is was like a, an FPS with mechs. And and what? Why? What What were they? They just... That's what they thought. They said, let's make a card game. We'll make some money. We'll sell card packs and go home. I, mean, I don't get it. How old is this <laughs> franchise? They just have one game, right? They made Titanfall 2, didn't they? Oh, it's not, out, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. Oh, yeah, it's not out so yet. they have one game. It's relatively new still, Titanfall. It's an FPS. I, yeah, I, I have no reason to play the card game. Do you know why this came about? There's a deal between Nexon, Particle City, and Respawn Entertainment. They're going to make multiple mobile Titanfall spinoffs. And I don't remember Titanfall being that influential that it deserved all these spinoffs on mobile and whatnot. It kind of fizzled. Yeah, it fizzled. I remember that. I remember there was a lot of hype and it, it all dropped off. So I don't know what they're thinking in terms of like, capitalizing on this one. I guess they're going to push it. Maybe mobile saves the the series, the IP. I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. I, I will say that. I will say Titanfall 2 looks cool, though. It does. Yeah, I think it you know what else cool. is weird? Uh, how long have we been going? Anyone got some news or shall we wrap it up? Uh, uh, we, can, we, we can wrap it up and go into overtime too. We'll talk about a few other things. Yeah, I think I think, I think it's time for overtime, boys. Yeah, the YouTube crowd they can't handle the overtime. YouTube crowds, you gotta follow us on Twitch for the good stuff. It's so, as you always, subscribe, you know. Twitch.tv slash mmos dotcom. Yep, that is that was it. smooth. That was smooth as the butter I'm about to eat. Oh wow! Mm. You got the, you got the cans of butter I got, going. I got. A I actually want to get a tin. nice stick of butter. That's why I want to go to overtime. Oh nice. <laughs> All right, and once again, that is it for the podcast. Uh, check us out live. Every Tuesday, yes. 4 p.m. PST. And follow us on twitch.tv slash mosdotcom. Tell your friends. All right, see ya. See ya. See ya.